the Southcliff Podcast. We're glad you've joined us. Now, here's Senior Pastor Dr. Carol Marr with this week's sermon. Well, it's good to see you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Romans. We have been making our way through the letter that Paul writes to the church at Rome, and we have made our way to chapter 8. And uh, have already told you over the last three weeks, we've been in chapter 8, that uh, many have recognized that chapter 8 is perhaps the, the greatest of all the chapters in the book of Romans, and perhaps the greatest chapter in all the Bible. And uh, we've spent a little time here, and we're going to continue to spend some time here uh, talking about what it means to walk in the fullness of all that God has for us. Now, last time we were together, I shared with you that from chapter 8 in the book of Romans, Paul kind of introduces what I would call two life management systems with which we operate in the world today. Uh, One of those life management systems he identifies as, as walking in the flesh. Literally, the life management system of walking in the flesh or life in the flesh would be what I described as a self-managed life. Living life in our own power, in our own strength, in our own abilities, by our own resources. And that describes what many of us are doing. And it always leads to frustration. It always leads to failure. In fact, Paul says it leads to death. But then there's another life management system he introduces, and that is life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is what I would call a Christ-sufficient life, Christ-managed life. It's living in total dependence upon Christ and on the resources and power that Christ provides for us. It is a Christ-directed life. Now, last time we were together, we talked about life or living in the Spirit. Today, I want to talk about walking in the Spirit. Uh, now, the two go hand in hand, and, and, uh, and, and, and what we talked about last week applies to what we're talking about today. But I, I really believe that if we understand what it means to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, um, we truly can come to a place where we can be filled with the Spirit of God and and, and we can allow the Spirit of God to work in and through us and cooperate with him in all that he longs to do in our life. Now, let me just kind of define those two for you before we go any further. When, when we talk about living in the Spirit, and I want to put this on the screen, uh, living in the Spirit, I think can best be described this way. It, it really um, speaks to us having the Holy Spirit. Last time we were together, we talked about who the Holy Spirit is. What is he up to? How does he dwell in us? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? We talked about that last time we were together. So life in the Spirit is really talking about the Holy Spirit who lives in us. When you accept Jesus as your Savior, you're a Christian. God's Holy Spirit lives in you. And, and by the way, I'll say this again. When we're going through the book of Romans in chapter 8, we're really talking to Christians. 
And, and so this is written to those who are believers. So my primary focus is on those of you who are believers today. Now, if you're not a Christian, you're here today, you're, maybe somebody invited you, you've been thinking about this Christian thing. Well, it's a good day for you to be here. You kind of look over the fence at what we're all about and you begin to see our struggles, but you also begin to see the victory that is available to us and to you through faith in Christ. So pri primary focus though is on Christians. And so Paul tells us that when we accept Jesus as our savior, God's Holy Spirit comes to live in us. That's what the Bible teaches. So living in the spirit speaks to us having the Holy Spirit. When I talk to you about walking in the spirit, I want you to recognize this next phrase, walking in the spirit really speaks to the spirit having us. Living in the Spirit is, is, is me having the Holy Spirit. Walking in the Spirit is that the Spirit has me. Now I'm learning to yield my life, my decisions, the, the situations that I encounter in the course of life every day, learning to yield that to the power of the Holy Spirit. So today, what we're going to do is look at three practical steps that are a part of the process of walking in the Spirit. Now, we're introduced to walking in the Spirit in chapter 8, verse 4. If you'll look, Paul is writing to the people at Rome, and he says, so that the requirement of the law would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he says, as believers... We are walking according to the Spirit. Now, in verse 14, he also makes reference to walking in the Spirit when he says in verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, really is what we're focused on in our time together today. Now, the word walk that Paul uses in that text, we walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. The word walk really refers to a habit or a bent of life or a lifestyle. Uh, Paul uses the word in other places in Ephesians chapter 4. He tells believers in Ephesus, walk no more as Gentiles who walk in the futility of their mind. He's talking about a lifestyle that we live. Don't live that way, but live the way that God has called you to. John refers to it in the same way in 1 John 1, 7. He says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. So when it talks about walking in the light, it's talking about a lifestyle of walking in the fullness of God. Now the verb walk that is used here is in the present tense, and it carries the idea of continued action so that we are are walking in the spirit and I and I and I love that he uses the term walk and walking to describe our relationship with God because it's simple he's just simply saying that we're to go where the Spirit goes. We're to follow uh, the direction that he leads. We're to march in step with him. There's something intimate about that concept of walking with God and fellowship with God. As the Bible describes Enoch in the Old Testament as a man who walked with God. 
And, and what it does is it helps us understand what the Christian life's all about. We, in our walk with God, it's kind of like my, if my Tanya and I go on a walk together, we walk and we talk and we enjoy one another and we're just kind of taking our time as we take a walk and we're walking along. And you know what's interesting? If we can come to a fork in the road and we don't come to the fork in the road and stop and say, well, now, which way are we going to go? Are you going to go to the right or are you going to go to the left? If you're walking together, what happens? We just kind of walk in that direction. And so we may make a decision without even realizing we've made a decision. And what, 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 what Paul is saying is that when we walk in the Spirit, when we come to those times in our life when we have a decision to make, sometimes you're not even going to pray about decisions because it's just clear this is what I'm to do. I'm walking in the Spirit, and as I walk in the Spirit, we're walking together, and he just kind of leans and nudges, and all of a sudden I just kind of walk in that path. And so there's an intimate, exciting, fun element to the concept of walking in the Spirit. You see, last week we talked about the fact that when we first accept Christ, we receive Christ, his Holy Spirit comes to live in us, and immediately, listen, immediately, he begins to influence our thinking, he begins to influence our thought process, he begins to direct our lives. And I describe it this way. What the Holy Spirit does is he begins to work through what I call promptings in our life to move us in a certain direction, to say a certain thing, to live a certain way. Suddenly, the Holy Spirit in me begins to work so that my mind kind of is able to focus and I'm able to hear those promptings of God. And that's what we're going to talk about in our time together today. I really heard a great example of this some years ago. There's a guy by the name of Bob Harrington who came to know the Lord after a long uh, life and alcoholism, just a horrible life and horrible husband, horrible father, but he came to faith in Christ and God radically changed him. I mean, he, he was so changed those promptings of the Holy Spirit immediately began to come to him. One of the things he felt he needed to do was tell other people about Jesus. And so immediately he began to tell other people about what God had done for him. He didn't know the Bible. He didn't know any, he just had that, that sense that I'm to tell this, I'm to share this. And he tells the story one time of, of, of being at a gas station and he pulled up and, and, and he was putting gas in the car. There was another person pulled up beside him and he just said, you know, I just felt like I needed to share with that guy for some reason. I don't know who he is, but I began to carry on a conversation with him and tell him about God and what God had done in my life and shared with me. And he said, this guy got angry and he got so angry, he began to curse and he began to yell, and he got just in my face, and he turned red, and he was spitting and angry and cursing me, and, and, and I'm like, whoa, what in the world? And he said, when he, when he finally got to a place he could stop, he said, all I knew to do was say, thank you. And the guy said, what? He says, I want to thank you for cussing me out. And the guy said, man, I know you're crazy now. You won't to thank me for cussing you out. And he said, I want to thank you for cussing me out because that proves that I have been saved by God because if you would have done that to me two days ago, I would have stomped you through that concrete. <laughs> and see, when God comes to live in us, he creates a change in our heart. 
and the way we think. And there are these promptings that come into our life. So I think it's important for us to begin to recognize how do we, how do we hear the voice of God? How do we respond to the promptings? If the Holy Spirit's living in me and I'm walking with him, how do I know that's his voice? Well, these are the three things we're going to talk about today. First of all, I think it's important if we're going to walk with God, we've got to recognize the Spirit's prompting. We've got to learn to recognize what is that prompting? What is that sound like? Walking in the Spirit is being led by the Spirit. So what that means is we've got to learn to recognize the Holy Spirit's directives. We've got to learn to recognize his promptings, to recognize his voice. And the problem I've discovered is that many of us are insensitive to the voice of God. We're not really aware of the fact that God does speak to us today. You see, the Bible tells us that God's Holy Spirit knows all things. He is God, and he speaks in every situation in our life. And I'm convinced that in every encounter and every challenge and every issue you confront in life, God's Holy Spirit is constantly leading and directing. The issue is whether or not we hear and we recognize that voice. Now, I need to tell you that the voice of God, at least for me, has never been an audible voice. I would say it this way. It's much louder than that. Sometimes we're looking for the audible voice of God, but I've discovered it's louder than an audible voice because God has a way of grabbing our attention. So how is it that God speaks to us? Well, let me just very quickly in our short time together today tell you, and then we'll point you to some other resources that you can, uh, you can dig deeper. Uh, Henry Blackaby in the book that he wrote some years ago called Experiencing God, identifies four basic ways, four primary ways that God communicates with us. And I agree with him. I think these are all biblical. He says, first of all, the first way that God speaks to us, if you want to learn to hear his voice, you need to recognize that God speaks, number one, through his word. The primary way that God speaks to us is through the Bible. We refer to this as the Word of God. When I speak to you, I use words. When God speaks to you, He uses words. This is His Word. So if you want to hear the voice of God, listen to me, you got to get in the Word. There's no way. There's so many things that God wants to say to you and, and the directions that you are seeking in life, he's already provided for you. And if you read through the Bible consistently, and you don't have to read large sections, but consistently. I start in chapter 1 of the book of John, and I read through maybe a paragraph and stop and think about what is being said. And, and, and tomorrow I pick up where I left off, and I read again. It's through the consistent time that we have in God's Word that God begins to speak to us. And sometimes a verse would just kind of jump off the page, and it's like, wow. Maybe I, you know what, I... I know that God was speaking that to somebody else, but it looks like it really applies in the situation that I'm encountering and the challenge I have. In fact, the psalmist says this. He says that the word of God is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. 
He directs me and guides me as I spend time in his word. If you want to recognize the promptings of God, you got to get in his word. That's the primary method with which God speaks. And many of us are saying, oh, God, speak to me, and you're not in his word. You've got to get into the word because that's the primary way in which God speaks. The second way that he identified is this. God not only speaks through his word, he speaks through prayer. You see, and the reason I think God speaks through prayer is because he finally has our attention, or hopefully he does. When we're praying, we're focused on God, right? So we're listening. And so much of our life, we're not listening, you know? And in fact, some of us are not hearing God in our prayer because truth be told, when you pray, you do all the talking. But when we pray, we're focused on God. So this is what I would say. In the course of your prayer, there needs to be a time when you just stop and listen. And you just simply say, God, I'm not going to do all the talking. Do you have something you want to say to me? And I want to listen. And, and, and the Bible talks about that still, small voice. And there are times when God just kind of will have a thought. And it's like, wow, okay, God, is that you that's speaking? I want to listen. I want to lean in to what you're saying. And you know what I've discovered? If I'm systematically in the Word, in my prayer time, often God will bring me back to the Word. He'll bring me back to a verse. If you memorize Scripture, do you know that God will bring to your memory those passages of Scripture that we committed to memory that help us at the very moment we need it? So the discipline of spending time in the Word, the discipline of spending time in prayer are critical to the Holy Spirit working in our lives. And so we listen by reading the Bible. We listen by praying. Open and my attention is focused on him so he can convict of sin and work in my life. Now the third way that Henry Blackaby says that God works is through the circumstances of life. Now we're going to discover in this very chapter that God doesn't cause everything in the world that happens. Every time something happens, that's not God doing. And, and sometimes I will say this to you, God gets blamed for a whole lot of things he doesn't do. Why did God do that? Well, he didn't do that. You and I are, are living in a sinful, broken, fallen world. And the result of sin is death and heartache and sorrow. And, and it's the result of sin. It's not the result of God in his work. In that passage of scripture, we're going to look at later on in chapter eight, that makes it so great that God in chapter eight, 28, and God, for God causes all things to work together for the good. Now look at what it says. It says, God causes all things to work together for the good. It didn't say God causes all things. It says he causes all things to work together for the good. And so, you know, another way that God speaks to us is through circumstances. Sometimes things happen that we don't have any control over, and God speaks to us through those events. God comes to us to strengthen us in that moment. God comes to reveal his truth to us in that moment. Through the circumstances that we experience in life, we, we learn not to ask why, but to ask how and to ask what. God, what is it that you're going to do in this situation? How is it that you're going to use this for my good and for your glory? 
I don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't look like you. And, and so I, I don't think you're doing this, God, but you've promised you would use it. So how are you going to use the circumstances? You know what I've discovered? God uses He never wastes a circumstance in our life. God never wastes an experience in our life, even the bad ones. And sometimes it's the bad ones that bring about the greatest result, isn't it? It's sometimes in those moments that we hear God's voice. Maybe we even learn in those moments that he holds us and that he's sufficient and that he's all I need. In those moments, God teaches us. And so the Holy Spirit communicates and he pro the promptings of the Holy Spirit, that little voice that I hear as I'm reading the Bible, wait, wait, why don't you just stop and hang out here for a second? Why don't you just, wait, go back and look at that verse again. Wait, does that remind you of something that, that, that you read yesterday? Go back a couple of pages and, and look at, at what you read earlier. Those that's what the prompting of the Holy Spirit sounds like. As I'm praying, God, what is it that you want to say in my life? What is it that you want me to do? Is that where you want me to go? Is that what you want to happen in my life? Is that where you're leading as we walk through that? In the circumstances I experience, God, what are you up to? The fourth way that Henry Blackaby identifies, fourth primary way that God communicates to us, and the promptings and in, in listening to the voice of God is through the church. This is, I, I think, so true. Often God speaks through others, right? God speaks through others that are in the body of Christ. Sometimes he speaks to a pastor, sometimes a teacher, sometimes a song, sometimes a testimony. Sometimes an experience that another person's walking through. Sometimes when I'm in the body of Christ. And that's why, listen, that's why it's so important that we're plugging into small groups. You, you don't get that here. But boy, you do in a small group. You get in those small groups and if you begin to talk about, you know what, I'm facing these challenges. And, and, and sometimes God speaks through, us, through the challenges of other people. And we begin to see his faithfulness in their life. And we begin to see what God's done in their heart and in their life. And it's in the relationships we have. That's why God gave us the family of faith. That's why it's so important that you plug into a local church. You have gifts and, and, and abilities and a calling that God has given you that other people in this church need. And they have gifts and callings and experiences in life that you need. And when we come together, God is able to speak. And the Holy Spirit speaks through often a, a, a Bible teacher or a testimony or a song or another individual. Those four are the primary ways that God speaks. So I guess I would ask you the question, are you listening Maybe the reason you're not hearing the voice of God is because you're not in the Word. The reason that you're not hearing the Word of God is you're not praying. Or when you pray, you're doing all the talking. You're not stopping. And you're wondering, why is it that other people hear from God? Well, are you in the Word? Are you praying? Are you listening? Are you looking at the circumstances of life and saying, God, how and what are you going to do in this situation? What are you teaching me? What can I learn? How can I serve you in the challenges that I face? And have you submitted 
to a, a, a local body of believers and become a part of a growing group where you can benefit from others and the gifts and experiences that they've had. Those are the primary ways. We've discussed many ways of hearing God. In fact, I did a series on how to hear the voice of God several years ago. Do you remember that? We called that series Speak. And I asked uh, Julie this week to go back and find that and put that back online. So if you go online to our website and, and you go to the media tab and you look at the archive of past messages, you're going to see that Speak series I did. And so that you can, you can dig deeper. How can I hear the voice of God? Because I really want to know and recognize the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Now, let me give you three things before we go to the next, next point. I think it's imperative. If you're going to hear the voice of God, here are three important truths that you need to hold on to as well. Number one, you need to expect God to speak to you. You need to anticipate that he is going to speak. You're not going to hear the voice of God unless you're expecting it. So I want you to live every day with the expectation that God's got something to say. And he's going to speak. So I'm looking for it. And the second thing goes with that. If I'm living every day expecting God to speak, I want to give him my attention. I want to focus my attention because he's got something to say. So I want to listen. What is it that you have to say? I don't want to miss that, God. So I want to focus on you. And then the final thing, I think this is imperative too. We need to analyze what we hear God say. So if I think I'm hearing God speak something, how do I know it's his voice and not another? Well, the way that we can know that is God will never say anything to you that contradicts his word. So if God tells you something, you can always go back to the word and say, wait a minute, is that consistent with the God in the scriptures? Is that consistent with the way God works? Is that consistent with the way God speaks? We can always analyze those promptings that we hear to know it's from God because we can analyze it in that way. Well, secondly, I want you to know this. Not only if I'm going to be walking in the spirit, do I need to recognize the promptings? I need, number two, to respond to the promptings. It's one thing to hear God say something. It's another thing to do it, right? So I think it's imperative that we talk next about responding to the Holy Spirit's promptings. And here's the key word, obedience. Walking in the Spirit goes beyond just hearing to include doing. Wherever he goes, we go. Wherever he leads, we follow. Wherever, whenever he speaks, I respond. It, it, it's listening. And in that moment, embracing what God says and obeying. The, the moment, listen, the moment you refuse to do what God prompts you to do, you forfeit the fullness of the Spirit of God. You don't forfeit the Spirit. He still lives in you. you it, there, there's these two methods of living life. And every day, all day long, you make decisions. 
And you choose every time you make a decision, am I going to live the Christ-centered life or am I going to live the me-centered life? And every time I've got a decision, am I going to do it in God's power and strength or am I going to do it in my power and strength? And if God leads you to do something and you say, no, I'm not going to do that, then guess what? You have chosen to live life in your power and strength. And so you have literally forfeited the power of God in your life. So whenever he prompts you, let me say this. Respond to the promptings of God promptly. Whenever God prompts us, say yes. God, is that what you want me to do? Then I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I, I'm going to be careful to make sure it's consistent with what your word says. It sounds like you. And every time you say yes to the Holy Spirit, let me tell you what happens. It increases our sensitivity to hear the Holy Spirit. Every time we're obedient, it increases that sensitivity when we, with no debate, no negotiation, no bargaining, no arguing, no hesitation, say yes. It increases our sensitivity to hear. And in the same way, every time you say no, your senses of hearing the Holy Spirit are made dull. It decreases our sensitivity so that we debate and we argue and we negotiate and we bargain and we hesitate and sometimes never respond. This is what I've discovered. You will never hear from God about the unknown things you're seeking until you're obedient with the known. You will never hear God's voice with regard to the unknown until you're obedient with the known. If I'm not doing what God has already revealed for me to do, here's the question. Why should he give you any further instructions? Does that make sense? God's ultimately saying this. Why would I tell you what you want to know? You're not doing what I've told you to do. If you're not going to get in the word, you're not going to pray. You're not going to spend time with me. You're not going to attempt to walk in the spirit. Why do you want an answer to that? If I give it to you, you're not going to do it. If you're not going to be faithful in the things you know God wants you to do, he's not going to reveal to you the things that you don't know. It's just that simple. And you and I have got to understand that when we are faithful in the known commands of God and, and, and the leading and prompting of God's spirit, then he'll be faithful to reveal to us those things that are unknown. There's a companion to that. You will not know God's will and the big issues until you're faithful in the little ones. So many of us are trying to know what is it God wants and the big purpose of my life. And he's saying, why should I tell you that? When you won't even be faithful in the little things. Jesus said it, didn't he? If you're faithful in the little things, I'll trust you with the big things. Are you being faithful to the little things? 
You see, it's, that's, that's what walking in the Spirit is all about. It's, it's recognizing his voice and responding to it in obedience. To say, God, if this is what you're leading me to do, the answer is yes, and, 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 and I'm going to do that. And I know it's scary, and it's going to bring us, it, we don't spend a lot of time in the second point, it brings us right to the third one. Because the reason sometimes we're not able to respond obediently is because we fail to recognize the third point. So let me give it to you. The third step in walking in the Spirit is we have to rely on the Holy Spirit's provision. What that means is this. As I obey God's Spirit's prompting, I've got to trust his Spirit's provision. Listen. God will never ask you to do anything that he does not provide the resources for it to be done. For everything God requires of you, he gives you the power, he gives you the grace, he gives you the strength, he gives you the resource to do it. And so many of us are saying no to God because we are confronting our own weakness. Now, I want to tell you something. God, I've discovered in my life, God often calls us to do things we cannot do. He's not calling us to live. Listen, walking in the Spirit is not the life management system of my, my own power. Walking in the Spirit, God will quite often require of us something that we cannot do. But He can. And He will through you if you let Him. Now, I know I've told this story a million times. But it is so personal to me at this level that, 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 that I just don't know of a better example in my life than the fact that God prompted me as a young kid to become a pastor. I grew up in a very small town. I was introduced to speech in the sixth grade. My sixth grade teacher came to the church that my dad pastored. If there was ever an opportunity to be guaranteed as the teacher's pet, it was that year. Miss Bray was my teacher. She gave us an assignment. We were going to give a speech in front of a class. There were 20 people in our class, all of whom I knew and had grown up with. Do you know the number one fear in America today among people is public speaking? Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I do know that. Fear gripped me like I had never experienced before. I had written my speech. I had it. I was ready. And she called on me, and she said, Carol, you're next. And I just sat there, frozen. Carol, did you do your work? Yes, ma'am, here it is. Well, good. We're so excited for you to share it with us. I, I know you're going to do a good job. And everybody's excited to hear you. 
And I just sat there. I began to tremor. My eyes began to water, and all of a sudden, man, when you're in the sixth grade and your eyes water as a little boy, that means you're crying, and I don't want that. And I, I was in a bind. She waited patiently and then said, now, Carol, you need to come and do that. And I just sat there. Finally, she was forced to say this, Carol, if you do not come up here and give that speech, you're going to get a zero, and you're going to have to go to the principal's office. Well, at that prompting, I got up and walked out of the room <laughs> down to the principal's office. I knew what waited for me there. This was a different day. We had a going home line and a whipping line, and I knew that getting a whipping line, you don't want to go home. And I'd rather take a whipping than stand in front of the class and you can give me a zero because I'll never do it. A few years later, as a young boy, God prompted my heart. I want you to be a pastor. And I immediately said, Lord, last I checked, pastors have to stand up in front of people and say stuff, and I can't do it. And it was as if the Lord said, I know you can't, but I can. Will you let me do that through you? Well, the answer first was no. No, I, I, I don't know that I can trust you to do that. And then God continued to prompt my heart and change my desires and suddenly gave me the desire to do that. And I would listen to my dad preach and I would preach my own message in my mind as a kid while he was and Suddenly, I had a desire to do that, and I had to say yes to God. And I want to tell you something. That's not something that went away through the years. I would love to be able to tell you that some 45 years of pastoring later, I've figured this thing out. It kind of looks like I have, doesn't it? But if you ask my wife, She'll tell you that every Sunday morning, I'm sick. Every Sunday morning, I'm sick. I wake up early because I know I'm going to be sick. She says, I go through a cleansing process. <laughs> but I'm sick. And I always say, God, I can't do it. And he always says, I know that, but I can, and I will through you if you let me. And I've learned to say yes, because I can trust his provision. God will never ask you to do anything that he won't give you the strength, the wisdom, the ability to do it. And he calls us today to walk in the Spirit. 
so that we don't live life in our own power. Listen, if you live life and, and life is just a circle with you in the middle and you live in your own strength, you know, there's two ways you can live the Christian life. You can live it in your power or you can live it in his power. If you live it in his power, if your experience as a Christian is the circle with you in the middle of it, the Christian life for you is boring. The Christian life for you is dull. The Christian life for you is guilt-ridden. But if you live the Christian life in his power and his grace, the Christian life is an adventure where he will make impossible things possible through you. From everyone at Southcliff Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliff Church, please go to southcliff.com to share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry send an email to scpodcast at southcliff.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.